Thanks to Harry's for supporting Industry Focus. Get your free trial set, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel. Go to harrys.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, August 25th, and we're wrapping up We Said What Week with a mega mea culpa. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio by my good friend, Fool.com's Michael Douglas. Howdy. <laughs> way, to, way to give me something to work off of there. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to be here, Dylan. Thanks for having me. Happy Friday. Um, as an aside, I'm very proud of the mega mea culpa phrasing. I, you know, it had a nice alliteration, and it had a sort of um, it has strength to it. Good mouthfeel. Yeah, the the phrase. Um, <laughs> listeners might realize at this point that I pretty much have Michael Douglas on the show whenever I'm not talking about nitty gritty, like nuts and bolts tech stuff. Yeah, you are you are one of my good friends, uh, and I just have a blast with you in the studio. Um, but you coming in, it's a favor, really. <laughs> a favor to me, really, because well, you know I enjoyed the podcast, and and then I didn't get to do it as much. So it's it's nice to hop in from time to time and subject everyone to my vocalized pauses. Well, but it is time out of your day. Sure, For, you know you you have a lot. You're busy. You're a busy guy. You have a lot aren't, going aren't on. We all we are. But um, when I approached you for the show, I said, "Hey, Michael, I'm going to be talking about how I was totally wrong about something." Are you interested in coming on the show? And I was like, "Yes, yes, please, let's yeah. do that." Yeah, and I and I think. Um, that's a testament to your your friendship, <laughs> <laughs> sure, and your and your good heartedness. Um, so we're gonna wrap up. We said what week? Uh, we're actually gonna be going through an estimate I made about Apple Music back in the summer of 2015. Austin, you mind rolling the tape? So as of 2014, this is the most recent data I can get. Uh, there were roughly 800 million iTunes accounts that were active. Um, I want to say conservatively, they say maybe five to ten percent. Um, of those people are converted over to paying Apple Music subscribers. I was that was the other question I had was cannibalization. Yeah. Well, I think uh, they're monetizing people that would otherwise not be yeah. monetized. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's my yeah. feeling generally. Okay. All right. Um, I'm not comfortable saying that they're going to convert like 20 percent, like the Spotify breakout is now, because a lot of the people that are currently using iTunes are using it just to host music. They're not buying things off that platform. You know. Uh, so I think just to be on the conservative side, let's say they convert 10% to paying Apple Music subscribers. So 80 million subscribers, roughly. Um, say a mix of individual and family accounts. Maybe the average subscription winds up being like $11 a month. Um, that puts Apple Music annual revenue around 10.5 billion, um, which would be 4% bump on trailing 12-month company revenue. So I was back of the enveloping here, but that was a really bad ballpark. And if you look at a couple numbers, I, I think they just kind of illustrate why. So, two years later, Apple has roughly 27 million paid music subscribers, and an, an average sub of about $11 a month or so, you know, based on the individual plans and the family plans they have, that makes Apple Music roughly a $3.5 billion business annually. Which is a third of the size of the number that I originally tossed out. And you know, listen, I tried to help. I am an Apple Music subscriber, so I, I was trying to juice your numbers here. But yeah, we didn't get you didn't get terribly close. Truly a good friend, <laughs> <laughs> trying to help out my estimates. Got your back. Uh, it is really hard to make estimates for nascent products mm -hmm. and new segments, but I think even in my walkthrough, I probably should have done a quick gut check and seemed how ridiculous that eighty million sub number was. Um, one of the one of the big reasons really is at the time Spotify had 20 million paid subscribers on an overall base of 75 million users. And so I incorporated that number into my analysis a little bit 
but I did it by looking at the proportion of paid subscribers on their overall base, not really considering the aggregate number of paid subscribers. A major limitation there. Um, and I think the far more sensible thing to do might have been, okay, Spotify has this 20 million, uh, 20 million user base. If Apple Music can hit that at an average sub of 11, like I said, that's roughly a 2.6 billion business annually. That's basically what the service came out to at the end of 2016. So, so using a more sensible and much less complicated approach would have been way better here. Mm-hmm. Well, and in your defense, it is incredibly difficult to predict product launches. Uh, my background's in healthcare, uh, where predicting product launches is something analysts do all the time and routinely get wrong. Um, even predicting what will happen with com- with with artic- with drugs that are already out on the market and have been for a while can be very difficult. And I actually made a big mistake with Gilead Sciences, which is a, a company Dylan and I both own, and I kind of convinced him into owning. Um, and I really, really messed up my attempts to understand what was going to happen with their hepatitis C franchise. I actually wrote an article about it. Uh, if anyone's ever interested in reading it, uh, just send us a note, and I'll pass it along to you. Or just Google, I was wrong about Gilead Sciences. That works, too. Yeah, if you're, if you're interested in getting the article, industryfocus.com. Um, and, you know, I appreciate that you decided to hang yourself out to dry a little bit, too. Yeah, you know. <laughs> what, are, what are friends for? And didn't just leave myself out there. <laughs> because you could have. Yeah. <laughs> that was an option. Um, and, and so, this example from a previous show that I did, that article, um, these are just kind of one-offs. But the reality is, the investment industry is full of estimates. Uh, you know, you have company guidance, you have Wall Street analyst expectations, you have DCF models from analysts. Discounted cash flow, that is. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I was getting a little in the weeds there. <laughs> and then, you know, as an individual investor, you might have the things that you put together on your own. So this is such a large part of the space that we cover, and and I think um, it can be very easy and very misleading to look at these numbers, especially on the company guidance and analyst expectation side, and take them as scripture. And that's really not what they are. Right. And one of the problems here is that these numbers tend to be very precise. You know, they will say, uh, you know, analysts are estimating one dollar and thirty-five cents per share of earnings in 2018, and that. Precision, I think, often gives the false sense of accuracy, uh, and that oh well, they've got it down to the penny. They must have, you know, some perfect system for getting it. And really, it's a lot of estimating. It's a lot of inputs. It's a lot of guesswork. Which yes, presi- provides a precise number, but one that can be pretty wildly off. And my Apple Music example, I think, is the perfect example of a situation where a, an estimate is only as good as the inputs that go into it. Mm-hmm. And if they're bad, like they were in the <laughs> one that I made, then it really doesn't matter. It might be precise, but you can't hang your hat on that six months later when you're like, what is going on? Like, right. where's the revenue? It was precise and very inaccurate. Right. <laughs> as was mine, as was mine with Gilead Sciences, it's fine. <laughs> I was going to say, thank you for emphasizing that, Michael. <laughs> I don't have any ego left, uh, um, and and there's this temptation to quantify things, um, and it can be a very helpful exercise, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we we want to level set expectations a little bit, but I think with a lot of what the investment industry does um, with projections, the important thing to realize is it is creating a set of circumstances, mm-hmm. um, and maybe in a lot of situations, the better thing to do is to look at kind of a um, bull case, mid case, bear case type analysis for these things, um, because that will give you a better sense of the range of possibilities, the, the range of outcomes. And just to plug that article one more time, I, I actually laid out that for Gilead Sciences after having sort of mea culpa and said, "Well, I really messed this up." Um, so again, if you want that article, 
email us at industryfocus at fool.com. You know, I didn't even know that when I said that. Yeah, well. I really just, teed you up. Yeah, we're just we're just reading each other's minds. And here. you're really plugging that article. <laughs> I, I hope someone writes in. <laughs> I would like to just give a shout out to a bunch of listeners that wrote in last week uh, when I put out a call saying I was interested in how they're using wearables because it wasn't something it wasn't a market that super like really made all that much sense to me on the consumer side. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a use case for it, but a lot of people wrote in uh, about the health benefits of wearables. Yeah. And so we love getting those emails in our inboxes. You actually get them in your inboxes even though you're no longer doing the show. Yeah, exactly. It, it's an opportunity for me to just kind of see what's going on, uh, you know, give people kudos because frankly like when listeners are engaged and, and are investing better and are making better decisions because of, of things that they're hearing um, and are, and are gr- being educated, that's just a really cool thing. That's part of the company mission. And so um, I'm really excited to even just tangentially sort of read those things and say, gosh, oh, that's awesome. I'm glad we're doing that. Yeah, and it's great to connect with people one on one. You know, we do that with the email. We also do that with the Molly Full Podcast group, which is on Facebook if you mm-hmm. want to connect with the hosts there. Um, to bring it back around to what we were talking about with projections, estimates, um, and the idea of kind of a case by case look at things. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you're getting a, a ballpark, which is helpful, but the next step I think is super important. And that's okay, I have this number. What does this number mean? And I think to slightly let myself off the hook <laughs> with this Apple Music uh, projection that I made, um, you know, I talked about in that episode how, yes, this is revenue contribution, but. Uh, on what exists right now for Apple's main revenue, you know their their core business, mm-hmm. it's really not all that meaningful. It's it's not significant. It is not the thesis driver for this business. It's right. a nice tack on, and so that next level on these numbers is always good context to add because a number devoid of any context is just just a figure. Doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, We're going to talk about some ways to get a little bit better at ballparking, something clearly that I need to do. And me too. And me too. (laughs) But before we get over there, uh, I just want to thank Harry's again for supporting the podcast. Uh, Now, Michael, I've tried Harry's. You've tried Harry's. I have. I know Chris Hill has tried Harry's. It seems like a lot of folks here at HQ have given the company a shot. Yeah. And uh, let me just say, um, the I found that the uh, razor handle was very well balanced, um, not something I'd really previously experienced when when getting a shave, and so I I, I actually really liked that. It was sort of ergonomic, uh, and that was uh, fantastic. And their shaving cream smelled great, and it really helped me get a get a closer and smoother shave. That's what I've heard the highest praise on, and and I personally enjoyed it. But I am not a connoisseur of the shave creams the way that <laughs> someone like yourself who shaves every day is. I you know I'm growing out this beard at this point. Sure. Um, but Vince Shen, host of the CG show, the retail show on Tuesdays, loves the shave gel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loves it, and he he shaves every day pretty much because he does not have as much facial hair. Uh, as I do. He can't grow out a full beard. He has like a little mustache goatee situation. Um, and he just continues to sing its praises. Yeah, no, it, it really is fantastic. So, uh, listeners, if you want to give it a shot, uh, Harry's is so confident that you will love their blades, they're going to give you a free trial set. Just cover $3 for shipping. Stop messing around and get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your free trial offer. It's a $13 value for free. Again, just have to cover shipping. And that set will include a weighted ergonomic razor handle, as Michael mentioned, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. If you want to get that set, including the razor handle, uh, just go over to harrys.com fool. That's harrys.com fool. So, Michael, we talked about how I was totally wrong. We were totally wrong. <laughs> we, 
about different things. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep like not letting you completely like you know. I appreciate. That. Yeah, you know, what are friends for? Because I wrote this, uh, I wrote this outline and prepared the show of the mind that you are not gonna be as self-effacing as you have been. I guess there can be miracles from time to time. <laughs> there can be miracles. <laughs> that is that is a joke. Michael is one of the most egoless people I know at the fool. Um, but we we both need to get better at this, as it turns out. And and I'm guessing there are some other folks out there that want to as well. And so um, something that I think uh, might be a great practice exercise for people that are interested in this um, are Fermi problems. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think people that maybe have an engineering background or have done interviews at consulting firms might be familiar with. But the idea is these are estimation problems. And they're really just pushing people to make back-of-the-envelope approximations and try to simplify a very large problem into its little steps or make it kind of smaller in scale so that you can then extrapolate it out. And so one of the most famous Fermi problems is how many piano tuners are in New York City. Mm-hmm. Michael, I'm not going to ask you that one. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I was telling you, you know, maybe you'd just look it up on the internet. Right, <laughs> and then run through this Being amazing well, yeah, explanation. If you search Fermi problem, you know that's the first one you come to, and then you're like, "Oh, okay, cool, that makes sense." It's on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, so I couldn't ask you that, um, but what I am going to ask you, and I'm going to have you kind of walk through your logic for this as an example mm-hmm. of kind of how to approach this type of thinking, is it's Pizza Day today, Woo! which is one of my favorite days every yeah, month. It's the last Friday of every month. Last Friday of every month at HQ, uh, we get a bunch of pizzas for free, and and. We're not going to say how many pizzas because there is a. I'm going to ask listeners a Fermi problem as well. Mm. I don't want to give them too many hints. Um, so I'm going to ask you because it is Pizza Day. How many calories have you consumed from all the pizza days you've had in your entire time at the Fool? And I'm going to go ahead and assume that I've already uh, consumed today's pizza, although I haven't yet. It's actually right after the taping. Very excited. Uh, but by the time you get this, I will have. So to, to give listeners a better sense of Michael Douglas. I slacked him this question, <laughs> and he immediately responded, does that include today or not? <laughs> so, that is how detail-oriented Michael is. False precision. Uh, okay, so uh, again, Pizza Day happens once a month on the last Friday of every month. I've been at The Fool for 44 such Fridays since starting in January of 2014. Um, I actually started, I think, on a pizza day in January of 2014. Uh, yay. So, ex- so, I've been for 44, except that... On the last Friday of every November and the last Friday of every December, I'm out of HQ. Last Friday of November is the day after Thanksgiving. Guess what? I'm not here. I'm with I'm with family. Last Friday of December, I'm usually skiing in Vermont, um, and so I'm out for both of those. So I've really been at the pool for 38 such Fridays. Also, I take other vacations from time to time. I'm actually, about to go on one, uh, and I also get sick. So I'm assuming I've missed another two pizza days for vacation sickness. So let's say 36 pizza days. Like many people confronted with free food, I overindulged on the initial several pizza days and then gradually ramped down. I would estimate that from January 2014 through September 2015, I averaged 3.5 slices of pizza per pizza day. And and to add some context, the full 15 is a thing that gets thrown around the office very often. The idea, the, it's much like the freshman 15. Yes. It is, It is. you know, we, we have some very nice amenities. We have a uh, food pantry. Yep. Uh, we have things like cake day and pizza day. And uh, if you are not up on your wellness when you when you start out, <laughs> <laughs> there's a very real chance that it's, you might put on an up, extra couple pounds. And, it happened and, to me. And, and it happened to me. Um, 
So, but starting in October of 2015, I decided actually to lose some weight, including uh, my Foolish 15 and a little bit more. Um, and I started eating less pizza as a result, in addition to other things. So I would estimate that from October of 2015 through now, I've averaged 2.5, uh, 2.75 slices of pizza per pizza day. So my pizza days from January 2014 to September 15, I would estimate that I had 63 slices of pizza across 18 pizza days. In my pizza days from October 2015 to now, I've had 49.5 slices of pizza across 18 pizza days. Uh, again, with the assumptions that I, you know, in each group missed one extra pizza day due to vacation or sickness, and of course the Novembers and Decembers. So on to the actual slice composition. I tend toward eating two larger slices. Yeah, yeah, you knew what you were saying. <laughs> I, for- I forgot how in the weeds you were going to get with this when I asked you this question. Yeah, I tend to eat. Uh, I tend toward eating two larger slices. One from Bugsy's, which is very thick, and one from that other pizza place with the big slices. I can't think of their name. Um, oh, I know the spot you're talking about. Valentino's. Yeah, yeah, Valentino's. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, Austin. Austin, Austin with the save. <laughs> Valentino's, which is sort of like big New York style. And then any incremental slices are usually Papa John's, usually meat lovers. And um, those, those tend to be smaller slices. Yes, they are. Um, so I would estimate the Bugsy slice is around 500 calories. The Valentino's is around 600 calories. The Papa John's slice is probably around 350. Um, so that means that for the 18 pizza days before I started losing weight, I took in 49,050 calories. That is 39,600 calories from the Bugsies and the Valentinos, big slices, and $9,450 from the incremental Papa John's slices. For the 18 pizza days, including today, since I started losing weight and have mostly kept it off, yay, I took in 44,325 calories. That is 39,600 calories, again, from Bugsies and Valentinos, because that hasn't changed, and 4,725 uh, calories from the incremental Papa John's slices. That totals up to 93 1,375 calories ingested, you know, plus or minus. And I am not asking you this question <laughs> to shame you in any way. <laughs> I know. Because my counts are probably just about the same. <laughs> um, and, and Michael just threw a lot of numbers out there. Uh, it is a numbers dump doing these types of problems mm-hmm. and, and kind of working through them. But I think that that is a great illustration of how to take what is a massive problem and mm-hmm. a massive question and slowly unpack it into much more digestible bites. And that's that's an important thing, not just in investing, but also in process building, in in, in, in really trying to do anything in a business uh, or, or work environment, is you have a big problem and you sort of break it up into manageable chunks and get those done. I find that blocking and tackling like that, particularly when I'm focused, uh, when I'm faced with something uh, big and imposing, um, actually really helps me both kind of psychologically be like, okay, I can do these things, and then also sort of map out like what does the schedule look like for making this happen. And to turn it to what I teased before with, with the listeners, um, I will put to you guys, I'm curious how many full pizza days could be paid for by the cash Apple holds in the United States? That's a good one. And so, uh, you know, when you did your problem, mm-hmm. you did not look up anything. No, that is that is the purest Fermi problem way of doing things. Right. Um, but I will say to our listeners, uh, you can go through and and use the internet to inform how you do this. Um, and I would love to have some people write in with their logic flow. And what they get as an answer, and I'm going to say up front, I don't know what the answer is, but this is an exercise to kind of work through, uh, just kind of general logic and approximation. I wonder if we should help them out by giving them an estimate of how many full employees are at HQ. That is available online, I believe. Okay. All well, right. I know there's, I know there's a ballpark, but um, what what's our count at roughly uh, at HQ? I I would guess it's around 250. Okay. Uh, I, think that that's, I think it's about what I've seen. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe it was uh, Glassdoor or something like that. But sure. there is an approximation out okay, there. Okay, cool. And um, 
to be fair, I will run through this myself, and we will post it on the Motley Fool Industry Focus Twitter account at uh, MF Industry Focus. So um, I would I would love to see some people write in and and kind of go through this exercise with me. I figured it'd be a nice kind of fun way to rope in listeners for the show. Um, I'm sure at this point Austin Morgan just wants to go eat pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I sure would. I sure do. Austin, who, uh, what's your favorite slice provider of all the pizza day um, pizza shops that we have coming in? I I don't know if I have a favorite. I usually kind of just grab like some random slices. Like I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. I never really look at the box. I just kind of look at the pizza. I gotta say, I was not expecting that yeah, answer. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, you, you seem like someone who has uh, a strategy and a tact to pizza day. I do. Well, because it's a very target-rich environment. you got to block and tackle it. <laughs> I literally never remember it's pizza day until we film the show, and you tell me, hey, it's pizza day. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> it's so, pizza day. I'm so excited, I can't help but talk about it. You know? <laughs> I literally forget every pizza day. What a, what a great surprise, though. I know, Every right? Friday. <laughs> or every pizza day, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Like, Free what lunch? are you get for lunch today? And it's like, oh, it's pizza day. Yes. Winning. (laughs) Um, Well, we will wrap quickly so that we can get downstairs. Uh, Before we do, though, I just want to mention that if you like this type of thinking, uh, listeners, I would recommend checking out Super Forecasting by uh, Philip E. Tetlock. Uh, It's a book that kind of goes through the strategy and logic behind some of the world's most accurate forecasters. And a lot of them are not experts. They Mm -hmm. are actually amateurs, kind of folks doing it in their spare time, looking at these various... um, like socioeconomic and political issues, and and coming coming up with approximations for them, and and beating the experts in many cases. Um, it's actually a book that we read for our editorial book club that we do with our writers, uh, and so uh, I really enjoyed it. It was it was kind of cool, and and much of the book kind of focuses on things that we talked about in this conversation, where, you know, looking at data, logic for predictions, trying to kind of curb any bias that you might have, thinking about prob- probabilities a little bit unpacking your question into a bunch of smaller parts and kind of working there. Uh, one of the big things that they do harp on in the book that will kind of tie back to <laughs> the the point of this show and the point of this week is um, keeping a record of your predictions so mm-hmm. you can track accuracy and the importance of doing that. Because what's the point of having an opinion if you can't be held accountable for it, right? That's very true. It's almost like I wrote about that in an article that I was pitching earlier. Yeah, it's, it's almost it's almost like I've been podcasting about it for two and a half years. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't I couldn't resist. Michael really wants people to write this article. Just just a heads up. Listeners. I'm really excited to just be you know publicly ashamed for my uh, for my terrible prediction. Um, well, thank you so much for hopping on the show again, Michael. Always my pleasure. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, like we said, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows over at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks again to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. For Michael Douglas, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and pull on.